The word this morning is from the fifth chapter of Mark. When Jesus had crossed again in the boat to the other side, a great crowd gathered round him, and he was by the lake. Then one of the leaders of the synagogue named Jairus came, and when he saw him, fell at his feet and begged him repeatedly, My little daughter is at the point of death. Come and lay your hands on her so that she may be made well and live. So he went with him. And a large crowd followed him and pressed in on him. Now there was a woman who had been suffering from hemorrhages for 12 years. She had endured much under many physicians and had spent all that she had, and she was no better, but rather grew worse. She had heard about Jesus and came up behind him in the crowd and touched his cloak. For she said, If I but touch his clothes, I will be made well. Immediately her hemorrhage stopped, and she felt in her body that she was healed of her disease. Immediately aware that power had gone forth from him, Jesus turned about in the crowd and said, Who touched my clothes? And his disciples said to him, You see the crowd pressing in on you. How can you say, Who touched me? He looked all around to see who had done it. But the woman, knowing what had happened to her, came in fear and trembling, fell down before him and told him the whole truth. He said to her, Daughter, your faith has made you well. Go in peace and be healed of your disease. While he was still speaking, some people came from the leader's house to say, Your daughter is dead. Why trouble the teacher any further? But overhearing overhearing what they said, Jesus said to the leader of the synagogue, Do not fear, only believe. He allowed no one to follow him except Peter, James, and John, the brother of James. When they came to the house of the leader of the synagogue, he saw a commotion, people weeping and wailing loudly. When he had entered, he said to them, Why do you make a commotion and weep? The child is not dead, but sleeping. And they laughed at him. Then he put them all outside and took the child's father and mother and those who were with him and went in where the child was. He took her by the hand and said to her, Talitha kum, which means, little girl, get up. And immediately the girl got up and began to walk about. She was 12 years of age. At this, they were overcome with amazement. He strictly ordered them that no one should know this and told them to give her something to eat. Word of God, word of life. Thanks be to God. Be seated. Good morning. Several years ago, I was going about my busy day when I locked eyes with a colleague who was passing by. Normally, I might have said just a quick hello and moved on, but this time, for whatever reason, I looked into her eyes and asked her if something was wrong. 
She burst into tears, saying, my body won't stop bleeding, and I don't know what else to do. I saw in her eyes the physical pain she was experiencing, her fear over not being able to control what was happening in her body, and even her shame and embarrassment as she accepted my help to gather her things and get to care. As I read our text, I couldn't help but be reminded of that day, not only because my colleague was indeed bleeding, just like the unnamed woman in our story, but also as I reflected on what can happen when you allow yourself to be interrupted by another. I wish I could say the art of interruption was one of my spiritual gifts. Sadly, as an achiever type, it's not. But this new vocation as your pastor is helping me a little bit with that. The power of interruption, the power of stopping whatever you're doing and pausing to take notice of those around you. The power of putting aside that to-do list, whether it's on paper or it's lodged into your mind and allowing the day to be rearranged by another. The power of creating space in our busy lives for questions like, where are you from and where does it hurt? The thing is that in our culture, interruptions don't always feel helpful or practical most of the time. And so I am captivated by the Jesus in our story today who allows himself to be interrupted. He isn't just on his way to the grocery store or the bank or the cleaners. He's literally been summoned to go to a powerful man's dying daughter. This is the most emergent of emergent situations. He is on his way to save her, and yet, when he feels someone in the crowd touch his robe in a certain way, he pauses to find her. Her story doesn't end with the healing of physical symptoms that she experienced, but continues with Jesus' posture of presence for her, his posture of listening, his posture of seeking to know her whole story and her whole truth. He just insists on this intentional, personal contact with the woman. We can almost imagine Jesus asking her our guiding question for today, woman, where does it hurt? I wonder what it must have been like for her. For 12 years, the woman lived on the margins of society because of her condition. For 12 years, she was considered ritually unclean. She was poor. She was powerless. She had no community. Her restoration required more than just a healing of her physical symptoms. And Jesus was present to listen to her whole truth 
and to bring her back into the fold of his family. Daughter, he calls her in the end. And only then does Jesus move on with his day. Only then does Jesus attend to what was supposed to be first on his to-do list, raising up of a little girl from death. Jesus' healing seems to know no boundaries, not the boundaries we as humans like to create anyway. Talitha kum, Jesus says to Jairus' dead daughter, which means little girl, get up, and immediately she does, getting up to walk about as if nothing has happened. I sometimes wonder how on earth this story could be a balm for those who have lost their own children. Ron Frainer shared so beautifully and vulnerably about his son last week. And many of you, I know, whether you're sitting here in the pews today or you are online, you have experienced this kind of deep heartbreak and loss. Oh, what we wouldn't give to have seen Jesus miraculously show up on the spot in the midst of each and every one of these tragedies and say to our loved ones, child of God, get up. And so in our prayers, we continue to pray for the miracle of physical healing. And yet our text today reveals another miracle that Jesus interrupts even the clearest boundary we experience as humans, and that is of death. And so when the leader of the synagogue despairs over his daughter who has died, Jesus simply says, do not fear, but believe. That's the promise of our faith that we are ever drawn into, of course. Do not fear, but believe. Believe that healing and restoration and wholeness and peace will come to all the places that hurt and to all of us, even in death. Believe that Jesus moves toward us no matter where we are and brings us back into God's family. Every time Jesus is interrupted during his day, he has a chance to hear someone's whole truth, and then he has the chance to reveal that we belong to him always, and that is his whole truth. If you think about it, Jesus' whole ministry is built around a series of interruptions. He gets interrupted when he's praying. He gets interrupted when he's preaching in the synagogue. He gets interrupted by soldiers and beggars and mother-in-laws and children and his own disciples. And of course, by people who are suffering like those in today's text. As I walked into the church early this morning after a week away on a mission to get everything ready, I too felt interrupted by what I saw written on the windows in, in response to the question, where does it hurt? 
I read the words in front of me, divorce, loneliness, political divisiveness, war, work stress, homophobia, anxiety, grief, unresolved abuse, loss and change in the church, and more. Add to it the interrupting news from Florida and the death and injury and flooding and physical devastation from the hurricane. And I was reminded that the hemorrhaging woman in our story today is us. These hurts are not shameful, but something that we all experience in different ways. And I wonder, what could happen in our world if we all stopped to listen like Jesus? Some of you know that I'm a bit of a political junkie. Uh, my idea of a wonderful date with my husband on a Friday night consists of watching the PBS NewsHour, followed by Almanac, followed by Washington Week. I think all of those have a viewership of about 30. <laughs> a few weeks ago, I was on my own with the kids, and it took me from 6 p.m. to 11.30 p.m. to make it through one recording of the nightly news. I was interrupted at every turn by questions about homework, whimpering about the taking of showers, prolonged bedtime escapades. But along with being your pastor, that's my vocation too, being a mom. Henry Nouwen, the Dutch Catholic priest, professor, and writer once remarked, you know, my whole life I've been complaining that my work was constantly interrupted until I discovered that my interruptions were my work. Let your faith guide you into the work this week, dear ones. Allow yourself to be interrupted by the touch or the face or the hurt of another. See what kind of healing can come from your very presence and the spirit of Jesus that most certainly lives within you. Amen.